Welcome to the Collingwood Rant. I'm Sly. And I'm Spook. Is that it? Just Spook? Yeah, it's a pretty depressing day, so uh, just just Spook today. How the mighty have fallen. I thought you were going to be curfew, Spook. No, no, no. Or maybe um, we should probably hurry up and record this before we shut off. Yeah, so we lost to Brisbane by a narrow, what was it, 85 points? Yeah, we were close. What did you think about that performance? Um, oh, look, I thought the, the first quarter was was good. Um, the rest of it didn't really come as a great surprise. I mean, Brisbane is a side, even though they've been struggling the last couple of weeks, um, are going to be a, a final side. They're up at the top end of the ladder. We're down the arse end, and I think that's how the game uh, ended up playing out. Um, I don't know how much we were expecting these kids could sustain this stuff um, in their first years. What, what was the stat? We had seven players uh, under um, 20 games. Yeah. It's a big ask. And I think you've got to put that performance into perspective uh, and not uh, do the henny penny, the sky is falling uh, rhetoric like a lot of people were doing. Oh, we're going to get to that. Uh, oh, let's get to that then. No, we'll get to that in a little bit. Should we have dropped the likes of Josh Thomas and Chris Main for other kids, more kids? I don't know. I think you've still got to have that that balance of age and experience, even though I'm not massive fans of them hanging around at the expense of something else. I think you'd be risking obliteration if you didn't have some seasoned bodies there. Although I guess you've got to really gauge the output as well. Yeah, I, I probably... I, I, I know, you know, we've faulted Maine for four years doing the rant in terms of his disposal. Uh, it's often the sideways kick or the little backwards kick or the little handball. Um, and that is frustrating. You know what, but, do you know what his favourite movie is? <laughs> sideways? How did you know? <laughs> um, but you cannot fault his defensive endeavour and he will always put his body on the line and you're not going to get that out of any kid and you wouldn't want to be, you know, asking 18, 19 year old five gamer to throw himself at the bottom of the pack and get poleaxed time and time and time again, because I just think you have a duty in terms of your cultivation of the young talent to bring them up without breaking them. And yeah, you know, I'm not talking about Collingwood, aren't you? Yeah, I know it's an oxymoron at Collingwood, but it, it, so I, I don't mind that main selected. Josh Thomas is an interesting one because his statistical output is low enough where you'd think, well, you're going to get that much from anywhere else. Uh, so, you know, he, I, I can understand the angst about continuing to select him, but on the flip side is what you said. You still need that senior framework. I see people are getting upset that, you know, he might be recontracted for another year. And I think, well, look, you know, you got a lot of, experience going out of that club. So you still need some senior bodies. And I'm guessing that next year for Josh Thomas, whoever the coach is, will probably be like in that last year Jared Blair played or the last year Tarkin Lockyer played where they come up seven, eight, nine, ten games, but they're not the first option. They're sort of more the fallback option as we try and transition into a new future. Um, did you notice how slippery it seemed to be? <laughs> I think as the as the night um, progressed, the um, the fumbles um, rapidly increased, and it clearly must have been 
dewy, but we've been caught out before inside of that dewy environment. Um, I don't know, look, maybe it's hard to predict when you're up there what the what the weather's going to be like and, and, and what it's going to do in terms of making that ball slippery, but they clearly were struggling to hold on to it. And yeah. I don't think that was a result of, um, you know, basic skillers or anything like that. It was just, um, it was clearly hard to grip. Yeah. Although, you know, Brisbane, to their credit, didn't seem to have too much trouble holding on to it. Oh, but their training in those sort of conditions. And I think it, looked well, also, yeah, I mean, it also yeah. looked like, so, you know, uh, the more the ball was in the ground, the dewier, the slipperier it was getting. So that's as the game went on, you know, if you they were constantly using the same ball, it just sort of seemed we were struggling to handle it well. How about uh, our other favourite whipping boys, everyone's favourite whipping boys, the umpires? Do you like the umpiring? Uh, no, not particularly. Should I? I? I, I don't want to... I'm not saying the umpiring had any um, impact on the margin. But geez, that was really poor umpiring. The amount of times... I, one of I, just, players... I, I, just like to, I just like to jump in, though, and say that um, surely diversity's got nothing to do with the umpire selections, does it? Well, the, the full... It's about ability, isn't it? Well, there's diversity in... You know, it seemed like every time Brisbane took a mark, it was like, yeah, okay, hold it. Take your time. Dispose of it. And every time we took a mark, it was like... Yeah, you've played on. It's like, what? There was a amount of times like someone took a step back and was like, yeah, you've played on. It was like, this is now a double standard in terms of how you're calling this. That 50-meter penalty against McCreary oh, was... was... <laughs> uh, yeah, again, uh, and we, we talked about this um, months and months ago. What is that rule meant to achieve? What are you stopping? It's not what they're stopping. It's what they're trying to engender, which is giving the guy off the ball a free reign to drive the ball down further so there's less defensive uh, negation in what they can do with it. And In that instance, you, you stop McCreary from, from creeping forward. Uh, look, I, I, I've... I've any, any other year you've crept forward, you've stepped over the mark, it's a 50 at any rate. I've always whinged about the application of that 50-metre penalty because the... The guy on the mark has no, or previously had no option. It was like the guy off the ball could feign a handball. If the guy on the mark threw his hands out, like, well, I might block it. It was like, oh, well, that's a 50. The guy on the, the guy off the ball could pretend to play on. And if the guy on the mark responded, it was like, okay, that's a 50. You can't do any of that until the call play on. Now they've just, it's like the hands in the back rule. It's like we have a rule which was pushed in the back. But apparently our umpires are too stupid to implement it. So let's just dilute it to the moment the hand goes in the back, it's probably going to be a push. Let's be afraid. And the same thing with the man on the mark. It's like, well, let's just stop them from moving. And that way it's a very black and white. But if they move, it's a 50 meter penalty, regardless of, you know, how little they've impacted constantly. That's, that's what frustrates me. The guy on the mark or the guy running past, because often, you know, it's just a teammate, running past the guy off the ball who gets pinged, they shouldn't be penalised unless they've directly impacted a contest. Because you, you have to let these players run to their defensive zones and do what they need to do. It just seems the, 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 sorry, not the umpire, but the interpretation of rules more and more is about taking defensive options away from the team without the ball. So there'll be freer ball movement and more scoring. You know, you look at something like the, the deliberate, it's exactly the same thing. Let's take kicking it out of bounds, out of the game as an option um, and call it deliberate all the time. Even if you kick it 60 metres and it takes four weird bounces and then goes out, that must have been deliberate. So anyway, Insufficient that's, intent. That's, that's my rant. So that really frustrates me. Uh, 
it has um i mean the thing you notice now even more so is the um without the crowds there about just how absurd the umpires sound stand 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 the, the crowds were it, it's like watching one of those old um was it barbara woodhouse or barbara somebody remember in the uh, 70s used to do that dog training thing oh yeah Hookies. Uh, levels of absurdity around that how was the um how was the gloofus one though where um every single fucking player on the ground had stopped and she called advantage yeah that was that, that was superb umpiring really read the fucking moment there brilliantly i i think the umpiring standard in general is poor and you know you they always have that blanket defense from commentators and, they, and all that it's such a hard job it's like well is it you know, I understand no. there's a taxing job. Is it a hard job to stand it's 20 metres away? And go, it's a hard job when the when, when every single rule has about 98,000 interpretations behind I, it. And I think that's the bigger problem. You know, it's as much as we all criticise the umpires, I think the problem is they just have so much shit to interpret according to higher-ups that at times they struggle. Um, and the other thing I never understood too is, is umpires encouraged to get as close to the to the contest as possible. I think doesn't that blindside them a lot? Wouldn't it be better if they were told, look, just stay about 10, 15, 20 meters away. You're going to get a much better perspective of what the hell is going on. Anyway, Robert Harvey, how do you think he's fared as coach? Because I've seen calls for him to be sacked during the game because apparently he should produce the miracle with, with that team. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, you would sack him now because there's no way I could endure another year of him next year. Yeah. Well, That's happening, I- isn't it? Uh, look, you know, I've said it before. Is it, if we sack him at three quarter time, is the um, is the new coach coming in, or is he starting this week? That'd have to be Brenton Sanderson or Hayden Skipworth, or you know, one of the players. Maybe it'd be like um, maybe they should pick the coach each week, like a in a pass the parcel type scenario, I or think, drawing short straws. Even that'd be better. I think the when you look at that side, we feel so. As I said there were seven players under twenty games. Uh, a lot of those were, you know, we had five guys under 20 years of age um and then you look at the top end so the bigger concern too i think is okay you can understand the kids going to be inconsistent you look at the top end side bottom was it was so so i don't think he was great or anything thomas was he's elite though <laughs> yeah. i don't understand the commentary keeps telling me how um, how elite he is i, I don't understand that the commentary is constantly blind to his errors and people used to say this to me for years because I've often been a side-bottom critic and they just said, he's elite. It's like, well, so you could put him up there with Dustin Martin and Nat Fife. Yeah, okay. Uh, Josh Thomas, done nothing. Elliot struggled to get into it. Uh, Jack Magden is, you know, his typical Jack self. Brady Majek. Uh, not to really, keep five behinds. Yeah, not really a game for... Um, well, I guess at Collingwood, you really achieved what he needs to do. Uh, his kicking's been a concern. Um, he kicked one four. It's really nosedive. He was an extremely reliable kick a couple of years ago, and it's just come down. I don't know we if he's going to ball in the end. Yeah, we do. Uh, Taylor Adams, I'd really be concerned about his form. It's, it's deteriorated drastically, and the disposal is it's become very iffy. You sort of looking at him understand he's had injuries and all that sort of stuff and it's difficult given where Collingwood is but you'd hope it's a form slump and not just sort of um yeah. where he's yeah yeah I mean he's only 27 28 in the, 
uh, later this week. Yes, if he gets a slump, but I mean, I've seen players that just stop, you know, and the mm-hmm. game goes past them. Um, and just with someone like Adams, I'd be concerned that for the, all his careers, he's, he's used his body as a batting ram. Yeah, so definitely. He's probably going to age prematurely. Uh, Jack Chris, right? Grundy. Just do you win the hitouts? Oh, does anyone care anymore? He's. His tap work compared to Darcy Cameron's really frustrates me. Grundy's whole mandate seems to be, if I get my hand to the ball, it's a victory. It doesn't matter where the ball goes, but statistically it's a victory. Whereas Darcy Cameron seemed to, you know, seems to be trying to hit players up. I don't, I don't know if it's just a lack of communication or we've been complaining about this for three, three years. I don't know. You know, we hope that a new coach is going to sort it out, but... He has moments though where his tap work is really effective. There was there was a couple that he put down the throat of someone standing on the outside, oh. and again, I think it all comes down to that whole miscommunication between that midfield and him. There's just no direction. See, I, I, sometimes I'm, I think it's just dumb luck that lands in them. Sometimes I think he actually must see them there, and and that's his intent when he wins the hit out to to drive it that particular way. I mean, how many times does he just pump it up and then rows it himself? Yeah, the ones that frustrate me are when he drops it and he basically his feet. He just sort of yeah. goes up and drops it straight down. And it's like, who's that meant to be helping? I, I'd rather they just, and you know, we said it so often, I'd rather they do what, you know, the, the Brisbane Ruckman did during their free peat, which was just jump punch up and just, yeah, punch it 20 meters. You know, you get, it's as good as a kick. It'll also frazzle any defensive zones from the opposition. So, I mean, you know, we've talked about that. Will Hoskin Elliott, after a really good purple patch, he's been struggling again. Um, I think, no, yeah. no, I think it, it, you're highlighting all this stuff, but I think it is really a, it's a group sort of um, slippage into the season, can't end quick enough. Yeah, I, and it looks like they're tiring also. I mean, Josh Dacos sort of didn't look quite right coming back. Well, no, first game back, you can, yeah. you can excuse. Uh, but just sort of some of the experienced players, I, I would prefer that they could just, they would have stood up and sort of led by example. And even if they got smashed, just to sort of tell the players. I mean, they recall a game about four years ago where we got smashed and Pendlebury said, oh, we basically gave up. You know, it was that Richmond game, actually. And it's like, you know what I want you guys, the guy, the senior guys, not the young guys. You know what I want the senior guys to be teaching? I want them to be teaching young guys. You don't fucking give up at any stage. You fight this out. Even if you lose by 150 points, you fight it out and just make, ingrain that as a habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Degawi looked like he's still, you know, it's probably our best. He, he looked like he was really trying, but... Just with so little support, it was... No, that's, that's the thing. Exactly that. He can't do it all on his own. So going back to like, you're saying, you know, I mean, it's two before that game. It's two games to the end of the season. Players obviously are looking forward to like, okay, this the end of the season can't come, can't come quick enough. Especially this one. Yeah. And this season's been, just said it before, it's been the worst season I've endured at Collingwood in terms of there's so many things going wrong. It is your traditional anus horribilius. You, you don't think the performance is endemic of something worse? You don't think, you know, that potentially uh, the players concerned for their 
or for, the, for the stability at the club, but they might not be traded out because of salary cap concerns or there's any disharmony there or any disconnect between the players, the administration or anything like that. You don't think a performance like that where they lost by 85 points doesn't have some greater root cause? Um, no, I just I think it's just simply a case of uh, quarter needing to step down. Oh, well, that's a good point, but... Yeah, I mean, you don't think... That's my of... justification. I don't need to extrapolate any more on that. <laughs> it's just bold statements. Isn't that enough? Oh, well, I, mean, I saw people saying, well, this is why it's happening. And it's like, well, you do realise for a quarter and a half, they tried and then they just got outplayed by a superior team who's in the top four. You also, you look at the balance. Like that that, that defensive um, setup that we had, that's, that's probably one of the weakest defences we've put on the park for years. Um, um, what's his name? Dunny Hare had a, um, had a field day on, on Ruffy, but you know, it's not Ruffy that normally stands him. It's, it's um, Darcy Moore who has that mobility to run with him. You know, it was just everything was out of whack. I mean, they had some effective tools. The defence was never going to hold up forever. Uh, it, it is what it was based on, 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 on who, got, who can get out in the park at the moment. Yeah, you know, and, they they chose to rest. How fair enough? He'll play again this week, but oh, they, um, they, didn't, they didn't rest him. Yeah, his wife was giving. Oh, birth. that's right. No, he is. Yeah, well, they, they was rested in the in the team thing, but his yeah, wife had the kid. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Was, yeah. Yeah. So, so he should be back this week. So um, that shores it up a little bit, but it's still horrendously undermanned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the side's horribly imbalanced for a number of reasons. I mean, Pendlebury's gone out, but obviously he's toward the end of his career. But just I. I I think the biggest concern is, you know, the concern we've always had uh, during Buckley's tenure and since Cloak when is who's your key forward? No, and that's it. And the, the side should be pointing at that key player. And Cox tried to fill that role. He did it on occasion. Other times he had to contend with um, horrible delivery. And other times he just didn't have good games. And he, he's had injury problems and eye problems and all that sort of stuff. But, you know... The last few weeks, it's like we've been trying to make Jamie Elliott our key forward, and he's what five foot six or something. Yeah, it's it's nuts. And Myacek, he's asked to play in that role, but he's not genuinely a crash and bash key forward. So you look at the way the side's built, and you can throw the goey down there, but then he's been playing so well in the midfield. You're just really no. lacking in every component of the on field balance. So you know you're lacking a key forward. Your midfield doesn't have genuine synergy and is lacking. I mean, I guess the guy has gone into an A grader, but he's the only one. The other ones are like blue collar workers. Mm. And your defense is lacking Darcy Moore and how. So you're struggling. Crane was another one who went out with um, glandular fever. So it's really um, unbalanced side. And that compounds the issues oh, yeah. with uh, these guys just won the season to be over. It's clearly the start of a rebuild as well. Yeah, you, you're going to have to go out and get those pieces, though. Well, let's talk about so the rebuild. Um, obviously, the biggest question is who will be the coach. Well, we know it's not me. You, you still got your hat in the ring. Well, I did ask, but we'll see. <laughs> I actually find it really funny because I've seen this concern. I, I'll, yeah, I'll call it a concern. Uh, on the socials and message boards and that, that um, well, according to the media, it's come down to Pike and McRae. And prior to that, I think Tom Brown made some noise. I can't even remember what it was. 
And then you get people going, oh, well, no, one, no one does. Don't feel bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then you get people going, oh, well, they're not even talking to Alistair Clarkson. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I don't know how anyone can actually just make a post or, or make that sort of statement thinking that, that Collingwood would not be throwing the world at Alistair Clarkson. You'd think that... Because I've been reading some of these things that, that you know, people, uh, I've got the inside word. I uh, got it from, from more than one reliable source. I've got it from two because that, that adds weight to your tweet um, that uh, they're not even interested in him. And I think the, the media's run with some crap around that, probably that Herald slum because that's that's one of your great fucking areas of truth um, that, uh, that we're, we're not interested either. Now, you've got to call absolute bullshit on this. Of course they're interested. And of course they're going to pursue him like a, a madman. The thing is, he's going to probably say no. He's going to sit out the year. Well, the thing and I too, think, yeah, go on. You go. Oh, I just said the thing you got to look at too is there'd be two uh, layers to why they'd go after Clarkson. One, obviously, he's arguably the best coach in the game. So you'd want him at the helm of this rebuild and teaching the players and like. But given the challenge to the board, the board would be saying, we've got to get him because if we fucking get him, that'll just shut everyone up and everyone will be happy and maybe we won't get voted out and all that sort of shit. However, you however, you know, people are actually running out. Ah, oh, they're not talking to him at all. Okay, yeah, and I think, that, you know, some of the people that are doing that are pushing that fucking sad narrative. It's you'd have to be insane to think that. Ah, oh, you'd have to be insane to think that they're not talking to as many people as possible. And the other thing that people need to consider too is, hey. There's still a season going on. So I understand that sometimes coaches are you know, appointed toward the end of the season. I mean, I recall Brad Scott left with a few rounds to go against Collingwood. Uh, sorry, uh, a few rounds to go. We just got an assistant coach at Collingwood. But, you know, usually these things start to play out later on when coaches have wrapped up for the season and you can talk to them properly. And let's not forget that in Victoria, we've been in lockdown more than we've been out of lockdown, and now we're in curfew also. So it can't be easy for the the club to go out and have these meetings and talk to people the way they used to occur, the way they, the way they occur elsewhere and all that. So No, you do it all on Zoom. It's okay. It doesn't make any difference. Just do it on Zoom. I can just imagine, you know, Alistair Clarkson planning, you know, the strategies and selections for the upcoming week and just telling the Collingwood club, just hang on a second. I'm planning Hawthorne's game, but I will talk to you also. And even though I've said, I'll see out the year and all that, I will just field all those meetings with you because that'll keep your supporters happy. No, it's, it's, it's nuts. Well, what about the question where people are going, well, if Collingwood don't get Clarkson, then they're just inept. <laughs> You know, do, do, what I love about statements like this, it's like Clarkson has no fucking say in this decision. It's just, it has to be because um, I think somebody justified it on one of the boards the other day that there's only one club looking for a coach at the moment. And if we can't land him, they're, they're fucking morons or something. I mean, seriously. So that's it. That's as simple as, as that. Well, there's one piece to the puzzle left. You have to be it. Do you have a say in it? No, no, no. You just have to be it. He can fucking choose to to put his... He's getting paid next year to put his feet up and scratch his nuts for 12 months. Oh, he... And who's going to think any ill of him? And he'll walk into a job in season 2023. No questions asked. So why would he feel pressure to take the Collingwood job? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the other thing too is 
you know, people are saying, well, they should get him regardless. And it's like, okay, let's say Collingwood's just totally hypothetically. Collingwood says to Clarkson, here's $5 million to coaches for next year. And Clarkson goes, well, that's just, I can't refuse that money. Do you really want a coach there who just actually doesn't want to be there and he's only been enticed because of the financial remuneration? You'd want a coach who says, yes, I want to fucking coach you. I want to take charge of this club. I want to be the one who rebuilds you and bring you to glory. And, you know, I want to fucking do it. And then the salary and all that will work all that later. If you're just getting him in just because you've he's totally got a mercenary attitude, doesn't that risk what happened to St Kilda 20 years ago when they appointed Malcolm Blight and they sort of threw all this money at him and he got there and halfway through the year, they're sort of like, yeah, he's actually not the guy that, you know, we thought he'd be and he doesn't want to do a lot of the things that we require him to do. So we're sacking him. It's like, well, that worked that well. Whoever Collingwood gets, whether it's Clarkson or, you know, um, some next generation coach or myself or whoever, surely one of the things you want is someone who fucking wants to be there rather than is bought or whose allegiance is bought to be there. Yep. You know, I, I know sort of it's happened at times that, you know, I recall that Paul Ruse has effectively lured out of retirement to coach Melbourne. But I mean, he went into Melbourne with absolutely no expectation other than to be uh, the mentor to Goodwin for a couple of years and then Goodwin would take over. So it's, totally different whereas if you were getting whoever the next coach of Collingwood is you expect that guy to be there for 10 years I mean that's the 10 years we give out isn't it 10 years um, yeah I think that's a give it those days yeah so you, you, you're appointing a coach who is going to be your long term coach I mean I hate these fucking suggestions too that look bring in someone like Mark Williams for two years and he can mentor the next guy it's like no, I want the guy who takes over to be capable of taking over from day one. Maybe he's going to make mistakes and learn and he's going to have people around him who's going to help him find his way. But he needs to be the person from day one, not from, yeah. you know, two years down the track. I, I agree with that. Look, and, and the thing is, I think if, if Clarkson is a no-show, um, um, I'm, I'm more and more warming to, to the appointment of, of someone who's going to grow with that list. You, you're going to be in a rebuild phase. You're going to have a lot of young kids there i think you want something that that's going to bond and develop and grow with them um that would be and that could be anyone anyone that's got aptitude yeah and you know you want something and, and i think the key thing is yeah whatever the club is setting as the criteria in their search that it's it's still someone that's a very close match to that yeah i mean i think that the club would you know, given the talk in the articles a while ago, you know, it's going to be an exhaustive process and that they'll have criteria where they're taking into account we're going to be a young list and we're going to need to have someone who can mentor and cultivate these people or players uh, as they grow with the team. And, you know, so it's not going to be sort of this whole thing of let's just go get someone ready-made who can just slot in and take us directly to success. Because hmm. uh, it's going to be a journey given where the list is at. Uh, and in terms of rebuilding, I mean, we're seeing a lot of criticisms now about how the club should have kept onto their kept their first round pick because we could have had pick one and two now in the in the national, upcoming national draft. We, we could finish as low as second last. Um, we could finish, I think, as high as what are we fourth last or third last? And I'm seeing a lot of people going, "Oh well, we could have had Dacos and Horn." Yeah, no, I tell you, for these people who have this amazing fucking ability to see 12 months into the future, buy Tatslotto tickets. 
go off and live your fucking life happy. Nobody predicted this stuff coming. Nobody at the, at the and obviously we have to repeat this again, at the start of the season thought this year would turn out the way it is. At the time, the strategy was probably sound. Um, it's bitten us on the ass, but fuck, rewriting history to, to suit it isn't going to fucking change anything. Yeah, well, I mean, I was relatively negative about this year and I only had us as low as 10th. So that would have been pick eight, um, which for what they gave up, I mean, I probably would have still asked some more, but, you know, that's as low as I expected. I've no doubt the intent was that, but, you know, it's it's that whole classic thing, and I don't feel like I want to justify this, um, is that you get what the value is put forward. People will pay what they think it's worth. And no matter what, we, we cock that period up, but we still come away with something and we've come away with some potentially good looking players. There's a balance here. Yeah. It's not ideal, but you know, it looks like it's, it's actually going to bear fruit. Well, it is going to be something that'll be judged in retrospect because it'll depend on how far some of these kids go and yep. how, how good they become. You know, it's, you look at someone like Ollie Henry and you think, geez, he, he looks like he might be a special talent. So that'd be a great acquisition, you know. Yeah, and really, all you need is one of them to be fucking elite. And that's your vanished pick justified there and then. Yeah. But... And they, yeah, I know. You just love the fact that, like, you know, people, I think, were tweeting this week about um, that um, that uh, Nick Davis can't come quick enough. Nick Davis. Year. Good old Nick Davis. Nick Davis. <laughs> that one was deliberate. Um, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> this kid is just going to come in and just uh, save them all. It's like the arrival of Superman. Is he going to? Is he going to come in a rocket? Is Mar and Pa Dacos going to find him in a farm? Potentially. I think he um, apparently um, twelve months into his life, he was lifting tractors. Oh, well, if it's Zack yeah. Snyder Superman, you'll probably come and level the Lexus. Yeah. You do realize that chunk of kryptonite will hit him in his first game. <laughs> You do realize Collingwood will be his script tonight. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I, look, I mean, I, I think we should, should have got more in terms of um, the stuff. Well, we, we already got on. more. Yeah, you know, we should have got more talent or something. You know, I, 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 I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know what the club's financials are and all that sort of stuff. But in terms of like when I've given up that first round pick, I, I would have even been posturing for someone like, oh, well, look, give us your two first or second round or so the hell it was and give us Riccardi and we'll give you Noble for something, something like that. I would have been trying to still get a little bit more out of it. I don't know. Maybe they tried and they couldn't do it. As you said. I th- yeah, just- I think well, there was still a, a sense of um, overrating the list to a certain extent. Yeah. And, and as you said, I mean, it is a seller's market. You can not only, you know, if you go to a club and say, well, give us what you've got, if, you can only take what they've got. So if, if their picks were 17 and 20 or whatever, that's all you can ask. You can't ask for 14 or whatever. So anyway, I mean, it'll, we'll see how it, how it fares in the coming years. Uh, actually, Jordan Degoe is relatively privileged. He got to play for two years while there was this sexual allegation hanging over him, and yet now they've dropped it. Should no, no, you, you forgot to say that he played for two years while he was guilty by Twitter. Yeah, yeah, he was guilty by Twitter. So he should have probably missed those two years, shouldn't he? Where are all the people that were uh, saying that he um, he should have been sacked there on the spot, that um, he shouldn't be playing, it's a bad look, all that sort of stuff? Where are they now? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they're not um, apologizing. Did they come out and publicly apologize? 
No, no, I think they're. Maybe uh, they got it wrong. Would, would you concede you got that sort of thing wrong? Well, or is it uh, you're just too far up on your own moral high horse that it takes a couple of years to get down? I don't think they'd get down. <laughs> I think they're still up there. And I'm sure they're I'll just going to. He's innocent. All right, I've got to go on championing 20 other things now. I would think that some of them would actually say he only um, was cleared because he's a celebrity. Or a privileged white male. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't want to say, uh, you know, I, I think that he got off because he's a celebrity because that could be misread. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, guilt by social media. It's one of the most the police horrible. paying his, um, um, his, his court costs as well. No. Sort of doesn't really say there was a, an element of doubt in there, does it? No, no, not at all. Mm. No. Yeah. I mean, we do have a legal system for a reason, but you wouldn't want that, that, that get in the way of Twitter, would you? Yeah, well, I think the legal system is becoming obsolete in the light of social media. I mean, why try people in courts of law when you can do it on social media? No, I think yeah, you just hang, hang draw, and quarter them, and uh, if they're innocent later, anyway, they, had, have, they probably had it coming for something. We should have our own social media, and instead of likes, let's just have innocent and guilty. Just call it, you know, <laughs> uh, just call it the courtroom something like that and you, you, you put profiles on and if someone does something wrong you go this person did this and you tag them and then you have two options innocent or guilty i think they should be made to stand in a room with some big rings um <laughs> rotating around them while some giant heads uh, dictate their uh, guilt and innocence you've got to put some theatrics into this i think that's what's happened to um alan didak and heath shaw when they had died at gate and had to face Eddie Maguire. Just this big head saying, guilty. Uh, Brayden Maynard wants out, but he's contracted for next year. So yeah, we, a, we, it's always... Um, have you noticed that that one always comes out after a loss? Yeah. Well, that's when it's going to happen. I mean, and well, I've, other, heard, I've heard from reliable sources, two reliable sources, actually, uh, for within the club that um, he wants out and he's going to Melbourne. Because that's how you do it now. It's all this stuff is sorted out before the season ends. It's pretty easy to make happen then. I'm actually curious what happened at Melbourne because I've heard that their salary cap is fucked. Um, or I shouldn't say fucked. It's stuffed pretty full. So I don't know if they could be making grand acquisitions because you'd, you'd think that Maynard would command maybe six, seven hundred thousand a year at least. So easily. Uh, None of this stuff's ever stopped Richmond or Geelong. Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone, someone else about uh, Collingwood situation versus their situations. And I was saying, but the, the, the one thing that happened with both Geelong and Richmond didn't happen to Collingwood. And that's that at Geelong, Gary Ablett left and at Richmond, Alex Rance left. So that gave them... A fair chunk of money back. Yeah. And then Richmond's steadily been losing players. I mean, the, the more the sort of uh, peripheral players, but they've steadily been losing players. I, the query is... I mean, they're, they're probably taking cuts to... Yeah, pursue success and all that, but getting Tom Lynch knee, you think, well, they must have done some pretty nifty, um, I don't know what you call it. They would have had to do some nifty accounting to make sure they could fit him in for however long he's going to be there. But yeah, Collingwood, when we, um, I, and don't forget, like with Collingwood, I mean, it's Eddie McGuire says it. He keeps saying it. It was a strategy. It wasn't an error. It was a strategy. It was a strategy to, you know, have a shot at a flag. Very much an all or nothing one. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, and there was a scorched earth policy. Totally don't agree with it, but that was him as a strategy. I mean, the big the big problem with Colin, I mean, we're not going to go into this again, but we'll just briefly touch upon this, you know. If you consider 218 their Zenith, it's like, well, why were you going out then getting, you know, Dane Beams and all that? Anyway, let's not go back there no. just yet. Uh, of course, you know, I'm sure Jeff Brown will come out and mention the salary cap. He seems to mention that every article he appears but the petition's fallen over so the club actually doesn't have to go to an EGM unless there's a new petition drawn up um but you think they might get the words right on this one <laughs> I think I've seen the words on this one it's club bad he <laughs> must go bad yeah. evil person naughty naughty bot bot I did see this one and they got Mark Quarters wrong they, they called him Mork Quarter so <laughs> Um, but Quarter and Brown seem to be almost having a bit of a stoush publicly almost you know that one time they spoke Quarter's not obligated to do anything if you were Mark Quarter how would you treat Jeff Brown how would you treat treat, how would you treat Jeff Brown now with contempt (laughs) so how would you handle the whole potential board challenge well, I don't know. I mean, if you look at it from from the the current perspective, he's not up for election until next year. So, what does he have to do? All he's got to do is point and laugh. Oh, if there's it's no AGM, I mean, uh, Jeff Brown's still saying, you know, I want the all the positions spilled at the AGM. So, I'm saying well, Mark Quarter, yeah, right do now. you know what I'm going to find really curious? Just to if 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 the, the, the there's no spillage and um, there's three positions up. Do you think Brown will actually go for one of them? That'd no. be a lesser lot. No, definitely not. So won't, won't, won't it all just look like a big fucking waste of time? It'll look like it. it's definitely um, president all or nothing. But, you know, unless they do get the signatures for an EGM or threaten to get the signatures for an EGM and then the, you know, the club is in either, you know, they're, they're in the position where they can say, well, Look, we'll call your bluff or go for it and go to EGM. This I'm saying is what should Mark Corder do as the leader of the club, leader of that board? He's no longer under threat of the petition. Um, so what should how should he handle Jeff Brown? You know, with that, contempt. <laughs> well, I, I actually I'm, I'm have a very similar attitude. Look, I don't want to go to an EGM anymore because it's disruptive. You look at how messed up our season's been. We're trying to get a coach and all that. So I think they need to settle this some way. If I was Mark Corder, Mark. What I advise you to do is invite Jeff Brown to the boardroom, have a look, look, have a big discussion over a coffee, um, put some Mogadon in his coffee, and then while he's asleep, just eat him. That would be my answer. I don't think there's enough presidents, or sorry, presidential candidates being eaten by incumbent presidents in the league. And, that, and I think that's a field we need to pursue. <laughs> yeah, good old Hannibal Quarter. Oh, well, look at, look at Eddie. You, you see Eddie on pretty close. Yeah, you don't think he's eating the candidate or two? It's that nice, ruddy, round face of his. Come on. I can tell you I can tell you one thing he hasn't eaten. <laughs> he Humble <did>. pie. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> we're playing Essendon 3.20 on Sunday. Um, I don't know where we're playing. Um, uh, MCG, I believe it is. Yeah, who knows these days. Isn't that cordoned off? And uh, will there be um, is is a class as a playground because um, apparently that's the most evil thing now. Do you think the players are going to rock up and there's going to be tape all over the gates? 
Uh, yeah, a playground. You are playing at a ground. It's a playground. Well, they should. You know, that's a good point. They should actually be playing um, in like all the players should just be outfitted in giant condoms, like in Naked Gun, so they can't catch anything from one another. And then you'll see some slipperiness. No, I think they should wear those giant. Um, um, was it the inflatable sumo suits or the big balls that when they run at each other and they bounce and just. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a good idea. I think that um, that that would suit. If it's dewy, that'd be all right for us too. We'd, we'd probably excel. Yeah. Uh, well, Essendon could drop out of the eight. It's going to depend on other games. What? Yeah, happens. this is. Um, I think it's. Um, it's. It's going to be a very interesting weekend because there's that many um, permutations. permutations that can happen towards the, uh, the who's going to make finals and who doesn't. So, what, what did we work out before that? Um, there's a potential that GWS could drop out of the eight. Um, so, Essendon could drop out. Uh, so Frio G- and yeah. West Coast. Well, there's four of them in that group that that um, can directly influence each other. So Giants are seventh on 42 points. Essendon is eighth on 40 points, but a very healthy percentage of 107 yep. compared to everyone yep. else. Uh, West Coast and Fremantle are on 40 points. West Coast 94%, Fremantle 89%. Uh, Richmond's 36 points, so they'd need a lot of stuff to fall their way, and they're on 97.8%. And Saints are 36, similar thing. Uh, you'll get GWS. They play Carlton at Marvel. You'd think that GWS should win that, but, I mean, they are a very spasmodic team. Mm-hmm. But given Carlton's <laughs> lost the Port Adelaide, I, I sort of at the, like... Carlton got five goals or something to two or something or whatever, and then Port kicked the next nineteen goals. Did, did, did Carlton realise they were allowed to come out of the change rooms? <laughs> and David Teague, he, he tried to put a positive spin on it. He came out and he said, "Nobody kicks twenty goals in a row against Carlton." <laughs> did um for for um uh, for the winners? Did they use the uh, the footage of that uh, Port Adelaide versus the bye? <laughs> I think think they would have made Carlton look good. So you'd think GWS should win that. If GWS lose, they still have two points on everyone uh, on the other candidates. So, um, and then you get Fremantle playing St Kilda, which is to be confirmed, but it's going to be a victorious summary, you'd imagine. Now, Frio is a chance of winning that. Uh, On 89%, they're not going to have any monumental percentage shift but there are a chance of winning that and that then they'll depend on what Essendon and GWS do and West Coast play who does West Coast play I can't remember uh Brisbane Lions at Brisbane which will be a big ask and at 435 so that'll be a big ask yeah so come uh Sunday come our game let me just have a look at it again um come our game so yeah, so by the time we play uh, Essendon, the only other game to be played is the the Mockbuster versus Adelaide versus North. So that's got no bearing on anything. It does a, time- a little bit, but it does for oh, us. But yeah, yeah, in terms of the finals. Um, so yeah, we what we were talking about leading into this was that um, there's the potential there that if Essendon um, are guaranteed a finals berth, what type of game are they going to bring? Yeah, against us, are they going to go? Um, cotton wooling themselves um, are we a chance to run over them um, which would be awesome but because um, for us the um, I think the highest we can finish is 15th 
Um, and I want to finish as high as we possibly can to devalue that pick. Although uh, maybe I should just read Twitter, all those people who can see into the future and they can just tell us what the outcome of this weekend is. Um, and the lowest we can finish is 17th, which is yes. going to be a bit of pill if that's the case. So we really want North to beat Adelaide to, to keep us propped up above Adelaide. Um, or if we beat Essendon, that then puts us up, um, I think it was above Gold Coast. Should yeah, we so, win? Yeah. So we can finish 15th. So Gold Coast um, plays Sydney at Marvel. You'd think that Sydney is going to win that. Yes. Gold Coast, is, their form has been up and down, but you'd think that they're probably looking towards the end of the season too. So we have the potential to finish 15th. We have a better percentage in Gold Coast. So if we were to win, would spring above them if they lost. Uh, but Adelaide plays north. That's over in Adelaide. So... If Adelaide win, you'd probably go off the home team, although North's been pretty good. Yeah, well, yeah. the thing is, like, North are guaranteed the spoon now. They've got nothing who need to tank, so you might as well just go out there and have an absolute red-hot crack. Um, it actually probably suits Adelaide to, to finish second last, doesn't it? They get a better pick. I'd imagine um, it does, yeah. So, you know, you got to wonder about what the motivations with some of these games is going to be like. Yeah, I, look, the thing with North, even though um, they've got the spoon guaranteed, I, I don't think that... I, I think as the season's gone on, this, they've gotten better and better, you know? Mm. So they've actually been competitive. You know, they pushed Sydney the other week, so I actually think they've over them. Yeah, they, they look, you know, like they're really trying to instill some fighting spirit. They, they've got some pretty good structure in that. So I think they're a good chance against Adelaide. But in terms of, you know, what we're talking about, Essendon could be in constant eighth and could they might be in a position where they can't move come our game. They might just be stuck eighth and that might be it. Uh, at the very best, it might be like, well, they'll be in the finals, but they could move to seventh and they, then they might start asking, well, do we want to play this team or that team? Or do we want to go here to play a final or there to play a final? But as you pointed out, you're probably not going to have really any clear idea where the finals will be played. <laughs> But in terms of Sydney and GWS being in the in the eight, you know they're not going to be played in New South Wales. So, and the other thing too uh, is the Bulldogs could actually drop down to fifth or sixth or whatever. So you couldn't potentially get a, a Victorian home final. So you know, there's a lot of things to play out. The only guarantee is really that um, it looks like well, Melbourne will finish in the top three at the very least. That's the only guarantee. Everyone else can move around quite a bit. Well, if they win, they secure the minor premiership or something. Yeah. Isn't it? Yep. No. Yeah. But then you have Geelong and Port on 64 points. So if Melbourne lose, Geelong or Port go to first. But if Geelong or Port lose and the Bulldogs win, then they can the Bulldogs can jump and those two teams can drop down. They'll stay in the top four. Anyway, just in terms of our game, it's really about what sort of essence can they show up. And how motivated they're going to be to smash us. I mean, I, I was saying to people earlier in the week, it's going to be like 1987 where um, we had a really sort of poor year with injuries and it was very, you know, tumultuous year. And we played Essendon in the last round and we beat them in an upset. I think they were ninth prior to, um, prior to uh, us playing them. So... I've said, well, it's going to be like that again. But if we actually lose and finish 17th, you, you realise that I think that'll be the lowest we've ever finished. 
we finished um, Wooden Spooners in um, 99, but that we didn't have 18 teams back then. And in 2005, we finished 15th, but there was only 16 teams back then. So finishing 17th would actually, 16th or 17th would be our lowest finish ever. Can we give that to Bucks? He's, he's, he's got another record under his belt then, hasn't he? Oh, hopefully he puts it on his CV when he goes to Carlton. Oh. Uh, what's your tip? You almost got the 80 points this week. I wasn't far off. Um, I think we'll beat the Bombers by um, 80 points. <laughs> I'm going to beat us. Uh, beat us. I'm going to tip us winning by uh, 13 points. Finally, I put a question out there on Twitter. What is the biggest blight on the game? Um, and some of those responses were umpiring and the rules, the MRO, which is inconsistency. Brady Mychek says hello. Uh, <laughs> The rolling zones and what, how they affect games defensively, the media, and then an interesting response: Spook. Spook's the biggest blight on the game. Oh, yeah, it's hard to hard to fault that one, really, isn't it? So, what's your biggest blight on the game? Um, can I say Malcolm again? Yeah, you can say about that. That, that never gets old. Um, oh, I think at the moment it's it's the it's the standard of umpiring, the lack of consistency. Yeah, they they they're, they're not exactly new tales being told, but it's getting progressively worse. It's it's really hard to to question what's going on. Um, you know, my my other favourite one would be uh, what, what's exactly fifteen metres to you? Oh, geez, that frustrates the hell out of me. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's things like that that just grate on you that you know you, you when you're watching especially when you're on the TV you, you're seeing things getting paid and then things being missed and you're thinking well what are you not seeing what, what's the difference between those two events you've set a precedent with one and then you've just completely thrown it all out the window with every other occurrence it just, well, it's hard to get that that you've got rules in a game for a reason so that you can understand what's going on but it just seems like half the rules just vanish. Well, the, the 15 meter line really kills it because there'll be a call. I mean, I've noticed a lot now. The umpires are calling it's not 15 when the ball's still only halfway through its trajectory. It's like, well, now you're anticipating of where it's going to end up. But then the <laughs> other thing is, too, is they call it's not 15 and then the guy plays on and does an equally or even smaller kick and that one's fine. They'll be yeah. paid a mark. It's like, according to the one you just didn't pay, that one shouldn't have been paid either. So their guesswork, it really is annoying. Yep. Uh, my biggest blight in the game is, and this is really driving me nuts the more and more I watch the games, is the fucking low five. I'm sick of it. The low five? You know, like when players give each other a low five? After they fuck up something. Yeah, it's like, oh, the ball went out of bounds. Yeah, I'll give you a low five. Hey, that guy totally took a mark all over your head and kicked the goal. Yeah, give me a low five. Oh, you dropped the ball in the goal square and your opponent kicked the goal. Yeah, a low five. Just what are you doing? Maybe they should give each other they should give each other a shit bow. <laughs> that would be better. It's like, well, look what he low fives. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and that just happened. It, it happens so often after something totally ordinary, or as you said, a fuck up. It's like the yeah, outplay, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. You got embarrassed and cost us a goal and potentially the match, low five. <laughs> Whatever happened to the old public berating? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you still get the occasional one. The most famous in the comic was probably fucking when Nick Maxwell gave it to Alex for solo. Yep. Uh, the other one, well, there was the other one the other week where Jordan the Goey gave it to um, um, Chris Maynard. Main. 
Maynard or Maine? That was Maynard. Him and him and Maine were having that. Um, uh, sorry, Maynard. That, that was actually that was actually his game, wasn't it? When the, they were going yeah, back yeah, and forth. Yeah, yeah. 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 At, so, at, the, that, at half time, wasn't it? They showed yeah. the yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah, was right. actually good to see. So uh, and that happened one. as well last week. Maybe they hate each other. Is that why he's going to Melbourne? Who the Gummy and Maynard? Maynard, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but the, uh, the all the berating. Yeah, I. It, yeah, I don't mind seeing it when it's you feel like it's constructive or when it's just someone, you know, when it's one player probably just telling the other one he's shit or you fucked up and he's shit, then you don't well, like that. Or low five was shit. Maybe that was what it was about. Yeah. It was a shit low five. Oh, you know, it's better than the, well, it's worse than the, sorry, the high fives where they miss the other player and they hit him in the eye or something like that. That's a Collingwood thing to do. I actually Didn't saw it. The 1970 grand final was one of those. <laughs> Well, actually, um, I, I don't know why. I saw an interview with um, Herita Lumumba when he was talking about a game in, in 2005 where he went to give um, uh, Shane Wode on a high five and he missed his hand and slapped him in the nose and cut him open. And and had to go off. So it happens. That shit happens. He did, he did say judo chop at the time. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts? Uh, no, let's just get this season over and done with. Oh, that would be good. I think the good thing about the season completing this weekend, it, it really means that everything in that next phase starts to ramp up. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. We, we get to, to get to a, uh, an announcement soon. Because yeah. whoever we, we, we certainly have to do it before the, um, the draft and trade period. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, how much is the COVID, um, you know, how much well, is that affecting what they've tried to do? Uh, I mean, I don't know, you know how far they've gotten in their shortlisting. I don't know if they've shortlisted anyone. I mean, the, the media claims they have, but they are, the club obviously hasn't because... Well, surely Clark goes on the shortlist. Oh, they haven't spoken to him, I heard. <laughs> They're not interested in him. It's not the joke. Think about his height. They just said to him, oh, what have you ever done? <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, you, if they got targets on that list who are playing, uh, sorry, who are part of finals campaigns, that might slow things down. But, you know, I mean, the, the, where the list is at, you'd think the coach, whoever the coach is, you know, it, it's not like you can come along and go, well, what you really need is uh, an outside runner and this and that. It's where the list is at, you, you actually need something everywhere. You need a key forward, you need a key defender, you need a genuine uh, a grade midfielder so it's like how much input is the coach going to be able to have it's not like you sort of finish sixth and you now just put oh, the finishing th- touches in the rebuild I, th- I think it's not so much about that it's more about who gets retained oh that's a good point yeah so um we it's a mandatory change of four isn't it each year Oh, you think they'd cover that between and, Maine and Greenwood have gone yeah. sets so too and you think that yeah. Cox and Sy will be the other two so um, they've already got the four it's just how deep do they cut and again this is why I think people like Josh Thomas are still being retained it's just you can't cut so deep that you're going to just be left with you know 18 year olds and yeah I think you got to look at is if you cut players you need to replace them and if your draft hand is pick to 98 112 and 148 it's like well would you prefer to just keep josh thomas on rather than take 148 in the draft is going to probably be me so yeah that's a good point you know so it's also going to depend what they're able to bring into the club and again that that will be other aspects that will come into that with the salary capital 
yeah, obviously this year is not a great example, but you can still keep Josh Thomas next year and not play him. Yeah. You know, if a better prospect comes along, then he can he can run around the VFL for 12 months. Well, as I said, with Josh Thomas, I think he'll he'll just he'll he'll fall into the category of depth. And he'll just yep. be come. He'll just come up every now and again, or they might play him as a bit of a, you know, that medical sub. Um, but again, I mean, the big problem too is you got to look at. You go get twenty eight, you know, nineteen year olds, for example, and then COVID affects next year, and again, there's no second tier competition, or the second tier competition is compromised. It's like, well, what are these kids doing? They're not getting development. They're not getting the no. play. And you don't want to bring them all up to get smashed every week. So, again, there's a nasty balancing act. I mean, there's always a balancing act that you got to, you know, you got to maintain. But COVID now actually adds a new dimension to it. So, if you're rebuilding, and, and this is why I think we haven't seen some of these kids like Reef McInnes and all that, it's just because the second tier competitions were suddenly canned. So, you're bringing these guys potentially in with no grounding behind them for, you know, six weeks or something. Um, anyway, that's it from us. Yep. Uh, we'll be back next week following the victory over the Bombers, knocking him out of the finals race. It'll be great. It'll be on, on the greatest rants ever. We should um, we should catch up again and do it on Zoom. Oh yeah, that, that sounds good. Um, we should meet in the park and do it. Oh, we can't we can't get on the swings. We can't put on the seesaw. Oh well. No, apparently we're not allowed to um, take masks off and drink alcohol. Oh, Dad, no, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, well, there's a rule, there's a way though. You can drink through a mask. I can drink through anything. <laughs> can you drink through a pandemic? I've drunk through. I've drunk through worse. I've drunk through Collingwood grand final losses. Oh, we don't lose grand finals, do we? <laughs> no. Anyway, that's it from us. Later. All right. See you next week.